I'm just showing up. That's my motto. I just show up and do the best I can. And that's all I can do. Hey, hey, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 244 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Elizabeth Cutler. She is one of the original founders of SoulCycle, and she's got a new venture that she's here to talk about it, and that is peoplehood. I am so excited for this episode. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that both Elizabeth and her co-founder, Julie Rice, were on my original list of guests that I hoped to talk to you one day. When you talk about individuals who have made a dramatic impact on the landscape of boutique fitness, something that is such a major industry, Elizabeth's name is totally up there. Now, with over 600 episodes, that is wild, in the Hurdle catalog, I am elated to be bringing this chat to the feed. Elizabeth and I, like I said, are talking a lot about her new venture called Peoplehood. For those that may be unfamiliar with it, the New York Times referred to it as Soul Cycle without the bike. I would say a better way to classify the experience that you can get either in their first Chelsea studio or in one of their virtual gathers, as they call them, would be a guided group conversation designed to improve our relationships. I believe that Elizabeth called it relationship fitness. Of course, we also talk about her early entrepreneurship days at SoulCycle, what inspired her to uh, cultivate that space with her co-founder, Julie, and why at first it was really, really hard to get individuals to get on board with the concept. She also gets really honest about how it felt to step down from her active role at that company in 2016, saying that it felt all sorts of confusing and soul-wrenching and difficult despite knowing in her gut that it was the right move for her. I love that she has some really great advice to offer anyone who may be going through a similarly difficult transition. Plus, she fills us in on a lot of the really great advice that she has gotten over her career as a wellness entrepreneur. I also, to bring it back to peoplehood, really appreciate the sentiments that we share, talking about the importance of communication, how what they're doing at peoplehood is different than therapy, a really important distinction to make here now, and why it is a critical time for us to have more meaningful and deep conversations coming out of a pandemic in the midst of a global loneliness epidemic. So many people struggling and not feeling like they have the space to share their feelings. Again, a huge, huge, huge thank you to Elizabeth. So grateful for your time. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast. I myself am over at Emily Abadi. And last little bit of housekeeping, LA, I'm coming for you. Hosting a conversation on Runner Safety Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. The link to register is in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Elizabeth Cutler. She is one of the original founders of SoulCycle. She's also one of the co-founders behind the new concept, Peoplehood. How are you doing today? I am so good. I'm just thrilled to be here with you. This is so awesome. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today for a multitude of reasons. But before we talk about those, I have to ask you a very important question. Is that okay with you? Go for it. I'm sure I'll have a very important question for you, too. Okay. How are you doing really? Oh my God. I love that question. Uh, how am I doing really? I, I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to be talking about peoplehood. I am feeling really proud. I have a 17 year old daughter who won Battle of the Bands last night with her singing and she performed in a way that I have never seen her perform before. So it really made me very proud and excited. So thank you for asking. 
And how are you doing, really? <laughs> you know what? Really, I am a tad overwhelmed because I am gearing up for two pretty big back-to-back trips over to Los Angeles at the top half of next week and then to Paris. And both of them are for work. And I'm excited, but there's just a lot of ducks that need to get in a row. And they're waddling that way. So with that, we move forward. Paris sounds like an exciting place to be for podcasting. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm very fortunate in that uh, ASICs sponsors both the LA Marathon and the Paris Marathon. And so I am working with them on some programming around both, which is truly like, you know, talk about amazing opportunities. I think that would be an understatement here. So I'm super excited. But enough about these marathons. I kick off our conversation today with that question specifically, because that was the first question that was asked to me when I went to peoplehood on Monday night. So why don't you start us off by letting us know what is peoplehood? Thank you so much for asking. So peoplehood is a place for for people to gather. We have started these 60-minute experiences that allow people to find really a new home. One, one of the things that that happened at SoulCycle, just to back up a step and, and lens out, was that what we found was that people in those rooms got access to a part of themselves. They got access to being part of a wider community. And there were a lot of very magical things that came out of it. And what we noticed was that the main thing that came out of it was the connection that people felt with themselves and others. And we wanted to take that experience and create a space for it. We feel, and we have noticed, I think all of us, that these places have largely been stripped out of our culture, whether people are going to an Elks club or uh, a church or synagogue, and still people, many people still do that. But for people who are just feeling like something's a little bit missing and there's a certain kind of, I I mean, I, for me, it's a spiritual hunger. I think there are other ways of describing it, Uh, but there certainly is a thirst around what it feels to, for me to be connected to myself and other people post pandemic uh, in particular. And so Julie and I really build things that are for ourselves that we have a really strong need for. And SoulCycle was certainly one of those. And Peoplehood is the result of four years of research and conversation and really looking at what could we do to not only move our own needles, but what could we do to help people move their own needles in uh, communities and particularly a space that's, that's really peer to peer. So what ended up happening as a result of, uh, of a lot of research that we did was coming up with an architected experience that's under an hour, that's a facilitated conversation with up to 20 people, where you have the opportunity to listen to music, to do some breathing, to really land yourself in the space. And then once we are in the space together, we answer uh, questions as a group. And then we do breakouts into individual listening sessions. And the reason why we chose active listening as a key component of these gathers is because in all, every single one of the conversations that we had, in all of the research with all of the people across sectors, and we spent a lot of time doing this, actively listening was the single most relevant thread that was a key component of everyone's connect research around connection and how important that was. So we ended up really leaning into that. And I think that that is what makes us more human, right? Is the ability to really hear other people and hear ourselves. And we all think we're great listeners. <laughs> I'm not. I'll raise my hand. I am not. I have a lot of work to do with that. And uh, I'm getting better. I have to say the gathers have really been making a difference for me. And we wanted to be able to meet people wherever, wherever they were. So we built out a space on 17th Street in New York City. And you can also do Peoplehood online, which is really exciting because it's a very cool uh, platform that we have built. What would you say makes someone a good listener? Well, I think listening is like a muscle right? In the way that I have learned to listen, 
when someone's speaking, I'm trying to figure out, oh my God, what am I going to say? How am I going to fix? Is this going to be, how am I, I'm already like responding in my head. And, you know, that's me actively panicking. That's not me actively really listening to what is going on. And so one of the researchers that we um, looked at the work of explored the quality of listening being related to the quality of someone else's thinking that those two things run in conjunction, which we found really fascinating. And then also the equity of time. So for in these gathers, we all are, we all have like a certain amount of time to share. So there's, there's nobody that can really dominate a conversation. It's very equitable in that way. And that feels really good because I think you get into certain social situations where somebody's not saying too much and somebody's maybe saying too much. And so I think what makes us a good listener is being able to get someone else's world, to just breathe into the moment and really feel the quality of what they're saying, uh, to allow ourselves not to only listen with our ears, but to listen with our eyes, to listen with our bodies. And I think those two, those few things are really hard to do <laughs> and we don't practice them. And if we do practice them, there's a lot of magic that comes out of that. A little light bulb went off for me when you said the bit about timing in a conversation and that word conversation for some reason really struck me because in my experience, and again, I'll just reiterate, I've only been once. It wasn't, I would say, a conversation as much as it was an opportunity to both speak and an opportunity to listen. It was an opportunity to hold space. And so I would love to dial it back a little bit to gain a better understanding of when you realized that this space was so necessary. Yes. The reason uh, we felt like this was really important was because we had used these practices throughout our business relationship, Julie and I had, uh, because, I mean, we're very different people. And frankly, we needed to work on our communication so that we could build a business that we wanted to build together. And when you're dealing, when we're all very different and we should be very different, that's what makes something great but you're not always going to see things exactly the same. And so we had a coach who really helped us think about, you know, okay, Julie thinks we need to do A, Elizabeth thinks we need to do B. We would spend time just really suspending the beliefs that we were holding so firmly <laughs> and making an actual effort to get each other's world. And in that suspension and starting to just allow something else to come to life, we didn't have to agree. We didn't have to change nothing. There were, it was a low stakes game. <laughs> and in that low stakes game, you start to see something through somebody else's highs. <clears throat> and it makes it, it, frankly, it makes your own thinking better. And it may, it allowed us to function as a unit and lead, which had challenges every 35 minutes. So, you know, it, it really, it, and it moved, it really, really, really moved the needle for us. And what we realized in doing that, that it's so simple and yet so accessible that we started training everybody in our organization into that kind of a practice, whether they were at the front desk, whether they were working in the studios, whether they were working in the, in the, in the corporate office. And, <clears throat> It really allowed us to build a work community where I used to get up in the morning and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work. Woohoo. And I think a lot of other people felt like that. And I really credit those kinds of listening and communication skills that Julie and I committed to, to creating and fostering that kind of environment of sharing and caring. <laughs> And to be perfectly honest, when we started to look at that and then started to look at what was going on in the studios and those rooms, we really realized that this is not the norm and that people would just live much happier lives. And would we thought people would feel better if they had access to this and in an easy kind of low stakes way. And once we committed to creating this kind of path in these 60 minute gathers, then we started noticing that there was a tremendous, tremendous amount of research, even more than what we had found that was coming out, that Harvard study based on 85 years of 
of uh, research around social and relational health being a key indicator of uh, longevity and physical health and mental health and a number of other studies. There's a lot of global studies that are showing this. And to be honest, it's a little bit obvious, but you know, we're busy and we just want things to work out. Like you get married, you think your relationship's going to work out. You start a business with somebody, you think it's just going to work out. You have a kid, you think it's just going to work out. All this stuff doesn't just work out. We need to be able to take care of these relationships. We don't really have a good skill set to do that. So that is why we decided to lead into this journey. And I think that's why people are finding, I mean, I don't know how it was for you. How was it for you last night? Did you find a little spark or a little aha or something in that room that meant something to you? Yeah, of course. I think it would be impossible to walk out of that room without having an aha or a moment. Especially I was surrounded in my gather with, I believe it was nine other women. So to be able to be in a space with women feeling very supported, I can say for certain that it is understandable that something like this, especially in a place like this, we're talking physical space, can be craveable for so many who may feel isolated, who may feel alone amidst the chaos that is New York. I think I had read a stat at one point, the lack of individuals who feel as though they actually have close relationships. And so to be able to to walk into that space and speak openly, that might be the only time that someone feels safe to do that throughout their entire day. Yeah, I think that may be true. And it's kind of, it's, that's, that's why the data, frankly, is so bad around loneliness and how and why people are calling this a, a loneliness epidemic. It's a loneliness crisis. It's a crisis of social health. It's just, look, I and I and it makes sense. Like, it's fine. You know, we have conducted this amazing experience on social media. We've all gotten a lot of hits on it. Right. We've all enjoyed it. Like I'm addicted to my phone. I love that stuff. I love a doom scroll. I love I love it. I It's fun. And yet there's something so disorienting, I think, for our brains around it. And to come together, I, I, I'd, I'd love to know how it was for you. For me, like coming together in a group, even if it's online, ironically, coming together in a group of humans, it is such a dose of humanity. Like mm-hmm. I feel a little bit buzzed. Like I feel a little bit high Yeah, being in that kind of community. And it's funny because they're strangers. You know, it's not like you're there with your besties, which you can do. And I have done, and it's super fun, but the, it's such a low stakes game that I, I, I'm really, you know, I think there is a nourishment that comes out of this experience that bleeds into the rest of your life. And so that's why one of the many reasons why we're super, super fascinated by this kind of category creation. Did you feel that same sense of community, that same feeling when you sat inside of your first soul cycle on the Upper West Side? Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it took a minute. But those rooms, look, for me, I I'm a spiritual person. I'm a person and I and I say that I, I feel like a little embarrassed saying that, but I I it's important to me. Like I need to care for the different elements of my heart's tenderness and of my brain's curiosity and the things that make me a human being. And I, I'm not a robot, you know, and I'm not perfect. And I have a lot to learn. And those rooms, I think we need these rooms. We need secular spaces to delve into our humanity. And for me, that's what would happen in a soul cycle class. Like I would show up there and I ugly cried on that bike more times than I can count. It met me where I needed to be met. And it really supported me whether I was talking to people in the room or not. And I think there's a real place for us to build these experiences for each other. And for me, peoplehood really helps me scratch that itch because I also want to be in communion with people who aren't only just like me. Like I want to be around people who are younger than me, who are older than me, that have different lived experiences that are at a different part of that human continuum. We all and we all think that we don't go through all this stuff and we all do. And then we start to see ourselves in each other. And it's just, it's such a relief. And I think that is the one, one of the things about social media that's so, such a 
really truly like the buzzkill, right? Like you look at that picture and you're like that there's no suffering in there of that other human. Like I can be the only one who's feeling this. Yeah. And it's just not, that's not what it is. And so to come into a room where, you know, somebody is going through grief or somebody just got a promotion, you know, where we can celebrate the highs and lows that we will all experience at some point and know that this is just part of, of being a person. It's so, it's just, that was one of the things I loved most about SoulCycle. Like it's such a level setter. I love environments that are level setting. Like when you're sweaty and gross, like it doesn't matter. Like you're just a sweaty, gross person, just like me. (laughs) And this is also just like, you're just a person just like me and just like you. And I think it's kind of beautiful. It is kind of beautiful. What we won't do in our conversation today is like unpack the history of SoulCycle. I could think it's safe to say that if someone wants to hear the entire history, they can head over to how I built this or one of the other dozens of really great interviews that are out there. But what we will do is talk about what you learned from that chapter, because it is irrefutable that you and your co-founder, Julie Rice, are two of the original co-founders in the wellness space, two of the people that to this day, when I have people on the show and they talk about where they've garnered some of their inspiration from, it is commonplace that one of your names pops up. And so for you, how does it feel to be that girl? Oh my God. It's, you know what, to be honest, it's pretty awesome. Building, getting to do that was the absolute privilege of a lifetime. And that's why Julie and I had to work so hard on our relationship because we just didn't want to fuck it up. We really wanted to make sure that SoulCycle could become what we wanted it to become. And we took it as far as we could. And we loved every second of it. Uh, even the tough parts we 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 loved. We we loved getting to meet all the people that we got to meet, in particular getting to work with all these incredible people. And, and honestly, like creating good jobs, like let's just all create some good jobs for one another. It's just silly. Anyway, I have to say the other thing is that we had a hard time in the beginning, really finding people to get us and people wanted to help, but just to really get us. And so I think because we struggled with that, we really have made an effort to care about anybody who sort of crosses our path and be generous with our time and, and try to help people, you know, come along. And so I'm glad to hear that people have said that on, on your podcast. That makes me feel very warm. Um, and I am delighted to be that person for people because honestly, it sucks to feel alone and to not know what to do. And to just be going like, Oh, let's be put my finger in the air and the hope, hope I figure out which way the wind blows. And so to the extent that we can, that we can share a playbook, I'm super game to do that. When you say that it was hard for people to get you, was it hard for people to get you, Elizabeth Cutler, and perhaps your co-founder, Julie Rice, or was it the concept and what you were trying to create? I mean, that is such a great question. Look, I think there were a bunch of things. We were continuously underestimated by a lot of people, which made us be even more motivated. And also, you know what I think the reality was like on, and and I don't blame anybody. I mean, to be honest, like people are like, it's New York, right? New Yorkers are cynical and that's why we love ourselves and we love each other. But like we were asking somebody to pay for something they got for free at their gym. So people were kind of a little bit like, how stupid do you think I am? I mean, for reals. But if we could deliver on an experience that felt additive to people's lives, then they would come back. And that, that was, that was really the core tenant of, you know, SoulCycle was as much a hospitality business as it was a fitness business. And so I think like we just got into so many layers, like we did online reservations before anybody we did. There were just a lot of things that we were sort of doing early. Now that sounds absurd because it's just such a different world than it was in 2006. But at that time, you know, there wasn't a Lululemon store yet. You know, there was a, they had a, they had a, um, like a little showroom on the second floor somewhere on the Upper West Side. There wasn't, you know, we didn't even have Uber yet. Like there were just all of these things that we take for granted didn't quite exist. So at that time, what we were doing was a little bit 
different. And what we wanted to be able to do was to fold things into people's lifestyle by making it easy to to sign up and making it easy to to develop a practice, right? Because you you only get the results from something if you do it on a repetitive basis. And so that was sort of what we did. So what I'm hearing you say is that it was really the concept that was hard to get people to sign on to right away. And that was why there was such a dire need to create this really special, different experience. I mean, for those that don't know, you couldn't even put external signage on the original Soul Cycle because it was a landmark. Yeah, building. we learn. You know, so- you learn every day. <laughs> Would have been nice to have a sign, uh, but no, that's true. And but the rent was cheap, so that was a good way to start. Uh, listen, you know, Soul Cycle allowed us to kind of really understand like what it means to occupy our bodies, what it means to feel alive, what it means to get through things, what it means to like do that in community. And that was a big, that was the lead in right to peoplehood because we really do think that the ability for people to grant themselves one hour could be one hour a week. It could be one hour a day. It could be one hour when you have it. But that gift of yourself of one hour to listen to yourself think and to hear someone else, it is just so it's it's a profound experience. And we want people to be able to leave something feeling higher than when they work, walked in and have whatever they do in that room be additive in the rest of their lives outside of that room. You said that it's important for you to have uh, secular spaces to come to, let's say, like for release. What else is important for you for Elizabeth to take care of Elizabeth? I think the best for me, I take care of myself the way a lot of people are. Like I'm starting to prioritize my sleep. I am thinking about food as something I enjoy, but also food as as medicine. Um, Lifting weights because I want to have muscles as I age and protect my bones and Mm -hmm. I'm prioritizing sleep and I'm thinking about what I eat and I am investing in my friendships and I'm spending time with people that I care about and I am getting curious about new things. Sounds like a lot of opportunity there. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. I'm having a good time. (laughs) Talk to me first and foremost about why you felt like you had maybe done all that you could when you left SoulCycle. It's so funny. It seems so long ago. For Julie, Julie and I really felt like there was something else and that we wanted to make something else that could serve people more easily to meet them where they were. And we we weren't really sure what that was. And we loved SoulCycle and we hated leaving SoulCycle, but you know, sometimes your number's up and it just is. So we took a little bit of a beat and we just started doing tons of research about like what it actually was that we loved about being in that room and what we actually loved about being in the office and what we actually loved about being in community with the people that we had come to meet. And we found that we realized like we're all in these relationships with everybody and we need to create something that we need. And the truth is that with with peoplehood, we just hope that relationships become just as prioritized or prioritized just as much as, as daily fitness. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, got to give some love to my friends at Gooder, the maker of no bounce, no scratch polarized sunglasses that I cannot get enough of. I literally just got back from visiting one of my best friends in Rhode Island. And the first thing I packed to put my suitcase was a pair of the Gooder Operation Blackout sunglasses, not only because they're perfect if I want to get out and tackle a run, like I said, no bounds, but they're also stylish too, which makes them the, oh my God, like it's a no brainer for me. This way I don't have to carry multiple pairs and I am styling, if I do say so myself. Gooder also recently came out with your new BFF for the snow mountain, and that is their Gooder Snow G's. 
These are Gooder's first official step into winter sports. They've got a wraparound frame that won't fog up while you're on the mountain, and they look super sleek. They are only $75. They're anti-fog, anti-glare, and got full UV 400 protection. Can you really ask for anything else. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving Hurdle listeners free shipping on your order. I threw a link into the show notes. You'll see me sporting them on social too. You can head on over to Gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Hurdle to get your free shipping today. Again, that is Gooder.com slash Hurdle for free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee with 100% satisfaction. Also, guys, to give some love to my friends at Inside Tracker. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you've got to understand what's going on in your body. Know that people age at different speeds and generic annual blood work, it just doesn't properly evaluate your biological age. The good news is that Inside Tracker does. Inside Tracker is a truly personalized nutrition and performance system designed to extend your health span and slow down the aging process. Created by leading data scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. Add Inner Age 2.0 to any plan to calculate your true biological age and see how you're aging from the inside out. Kind of crazy, right? Now, for a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just head on over to insidetracker.com slash hurdle. Again, that is insidetracker.com slash hurdle to get 20% off the entire store today. And what makes this even more interesting, as you mentioned at the top of our conversation, is the fact that we're coming out of a pandemic. So bring me through the kind of thought process. You're knee deep in starting and concepting peoplehood. And then we get to this place where connection as we know it has completely come to a halt. Where are you? What's going on? Paint a picture for me. We had just started workshopping the gathers in person. And we had been <laughs> begging our friends to come and, and help us. And to be honest, it was kind of cringy. They weren't good yet. And, but we had to start somewhere and we were so happy that we did. It was so, so much fun to be back in the creative mode. And we started to see some kernels that were really sparked by those experiences. And at the same time, then when COVID hit and we couldn't get together in person, we really looked at, okay, how long is this going to go on? Will this ever happen again? And it was kind of a great force for us because we had always wanted to build Soul Cycle and Peloton and Lockstep with one another. And there are a variety of different reasons why that didn't uh, pan out that way. And we felt like this was a fabulous opportunity for us to be able to do that, actually. So we, we turned lemons into lemonade and started exper experimenting with what we could do online to create connection and doing tons of research and looking at what people had found that, that sparked that kind of dose of humanity that we were after. And we landed on this 60 minute experience. We workshopped that in person and online for over a year. And then we started building the technology and the, the, physical space to meet those needs. And that's how we got to today. You said the P word, not me. So I'm just going to ask, was the rise of Peloton like another reason why you felt like it was time for you to move on? No, not at all. Julie and I have always a million percent felt like people need to get healthy and we don't really care where they're doing that. Of course, we want them Amen. to do that with us. But yeah, amen is right. And I think that's why we've taken on such a, you know, a big thing, like a loneliness epidemic as sort of our next dive in, because we don't really care how people do it. We just want people to get connected. To be honest, like we've been at this now for four years and we thought that there would be a lot of other stuff that had sort of come up in the meantime. And we haven't seen anything out there that we think 
is serving in the way that we think it should. So if we can bring this to market and other things come to market and we can all do this together, I think that we can experience a global shift. And it's important for us to try. We have to do it. It's just we, we can't not do it. There's too much at stake. Does this feel bigger than you? Way bigger. Way bigger. This is this is way, way bigger than us. And it is absolutely our intention to partner with people, to bring communities along, to facilitate whatever it takes for people to get into these kind of connected spaces, to make this available no matter where you are and what you need. We are really committed to making that happen. And we're just starting here. It's been a week. It's been a week. You know, what's interesting to me, it would be impossible to think about the concept of peoplehood and not draw parallels to maybe other ways that individuals are choosing to indulge in mental health, self care, et cetera. Now, I'm sure that someone who sees a peoplehood bundle at $55 for three different classes might feel like that is a way more accessible way for them to talk with other individuals than seeking out talk therapy. What do you say to that person? Well, first of all, if you think you need to be in therapy, you should be in therapy. We are all for therapy. This is we love therapy. We love therapy. This is not therapy. We think that there needs to be to really have the kind of health support that we we need as humans to thrive, that we need a peer-to-peer structure, and that that structure can equip us to be able to listen to each other, to share these aha moments, to understand somebody else's world, to feel empathy, to change your perspective. And it's almost like creating a practice that's like a workout for your relationships that you can do on your own and then take into the rest of, of your life. It's, it's a very, it's a very powerful powerful thing that we're, we're leaning into. And we've been seeing people experience real sparks with this thing. So, and we want to make it accessible. So the way that we have positioned it in terms of pricing, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing actually. Like, I mean, I went to the movies the other night and I love going to the movies. It's it's very expensive. I mean, there's just not a lot of places where you're going to get this kind of value for that kind of money. Over the last three years, what has loneliness looked like for you? You know, I think it's been an ebb and flow, to be honest. I mean, there were parts of it. I'm a little bit introverted. So there are parts of, of, you know, the pandemic that felt really good to me, mm-hmm. but I do feel very strongly that I just felt so disconnected from other people. I remember accidentally hugging somebody in May, I think of 2020. And being like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean it was like outdoors. I hadn't seen this person in a long time. And just the, even that physical disconnection felt so, I mean, isolating, I guess, is the right word. Um, and to be honest, I think it made me really question, like, do I still have friends? Do I still have a community? Are there people who I care about? Do they care about me? Like, do I matter? Does does, does somebody love me? Like all of these things that whether or not they are real became questions that I was, I was asking myself and, and kind of being a little bit, you know, introspective about what it felt like to come through an experience like that in terms of just like the social shifting that happened post pandemic. And Frankly, I mean, we built an online platform and initially I was so much more comfortable doing the online platform off my laptop than I was being with people in person. I was really nervous about being with people in person. And I think that that's worth investigating and understanding. And now, of course, I love being with people in, in, 
in person and I'm really enjoying these gathers. It's totally understandable that you felt that way. And I, for one, can definitely relate. It was as though I craved community and connection. But then once we had the opportunity to get back into the swing of things, for lack of a better designation, it was a really big exercise and choosing what spaces felt like they served me and allowing myself to feel overwhelmed, allowing myself to say, okay, like maybe today we try this and tomorrow we try this. And if it doesn't feel like it's okay, then that's okay. Right? Like having so much grace with myself as I got back into the swing of things. A hundred percent. My therapist likes to call it mercy. And I oh, elaborate. I think that's, I think that's the right word, you know, grace and mercy, just allowing whatever it is that's coming up to be there and just sitting with it, knowing that all things pass. Did you feel any of those feelings that you described of a little bit of the loneliness, a little bit of questioning of identity when you left Soul Cycle, thinking about what would be next? Oh my God, leaving Soul Cycle was like ripping out my heart and leaving it like in the middle of 10th Avenue. I mean, it was horrifying. It was absolutely so hard. I mean, I loved, loved, loved being there. And I love those people. And I hated leaving them. I mean, I hated it so, so, so much. And yet I had to do it. So it's just so fascinating how like there are things that hurt so badly, but we have to do them. And that doesn't make them wrong. It just makes them what they are. And eventually they start to hurt less and we start to be able to find whatever it is that's more healthy, positive, and enjoyable to replace that, that gutting. And we can move on and, and rebuild our lives. And we all have to do that at some point, right? It sounds like any breakup, like a breakup with your business, a breakup with a romantic partner. Unfortunately, as we get older in times, friendship breakups or splits, like whatever the case and circumstance may be, it doesn't make it easier knowing that it's something that has to be done. No, it doesn't make it easier knowing that it's something that has to be done. In fact, it's completely terrifying when you have the actual awareness of it and then you really start to feel it instead of just stuff it down. But I'm telling you, it was so big for me that there was no stuffing and it really shifted me. And I think there is that saying like broken open. And in some ways that is how that's where it that's what it became. As you were broken open for someone who maybe feels as though they have gone through or are currently going through a similar situation, having to make a difficult decision like this, knowing that ultimately it will be for the best. Do you have any advice or thoughts that you can offer on how to navigate a situation like that? Does anyone, all I can say is keep breathing, like do not hold your breath, keep breathing and face the day and just Mm. do a few things. I am big on three things a day. If there is something that I just is difficult to do that I don't want to do, but that is staring me in the face and that I am, it's something that you can take action on because not everything is, but if there is something I can take action on, I just, those are the three things I do. Three things a day. I like that recommendation. It's helpful. I know that when I had spoken to the team at Peoplehood about having you on, that it originally was going to be uh, something that I did with both you and Julie. How do you feel stepping into spaces as just Elizabeth sometimes? Oh, my God. I Listen, Julie is the greatest. I love listening to her talk, and I love doing stuff together with her. We, we acknowledge that sometimes we have to divide and conquer because otherwise we won't be able to to meet the folks that, that we want to meet, uh, and that we want to, want to get to have conversations with. I know she was disappointed that she couldn't join today, but, uh, I'm glad you got me. I know. No, I'm glad I got you too. Speaking of getting you, when you think about who you are and the person that you want to be, would you say that they're one in the same? You know, it's so interesting that you asked that question. I am in my fifties now. It's so funny. I've, i i I feel like all the spaces I've always been in in my life, I've always been the youngest on the younger side of all the folks in the room. And now Julie and I are kind of like in the elder vibe and I'm super (laughs) into it because you just, it is, it's so it's high time for us to permission ourselves to 
give less of a shit about if we're doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or whatever it is. Like I just, I'm, I'm just happy. I feel content. I feel like I can show up for the day. I feel like I can love things into existence that I can enjoy being in the moment that I can appreciate what's come before me and look forward to that, which is coming even in the face of all this stuff that like the world just seems some days so broken and I am having a massive existential crisis. And then in the next, that's why I love that question. How are you doing really? Or what's true for you? Cause that could change on the hour. Right. So yeah, I feel like, um, I'm really coming into my own finally and it feels really good. And that is it. That is, that's my prayer for everyone actually is to just come into that sweet tenderness of your own heart. A lot of people listening to this between the ages of, let's say, like, let's say 20 and 40, right? And so much happens in between that period of two decades. So much of this realization of coming into self, of learning who it is that you are and who it is that you want to be. And oftentimes, as we were referencing the, the social media cycle earlier, it's like we feel as though that we're supposed to have it all figured out way too soon. And if there's anything that I've learned as I'm slowly coming into my own and, and becoming who it is that I want to be and doing that work is that I did not need to have it figured out when I thought that I did. Oh, my God. No, absolutely not. And by the way, I love how we think we can figure it out. Yeah, like there's a magic pill that I'm going to take. I'm going to walk into my bathroom in the morning. And when I take my birth control and my anxiety medication, I'm also going to take the pill that figures all of it out for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out like that. Look, we're on a journey. (laughs) Let's just like let's just acknowledge that we're on we're all on a journey. We'll just go together. Cause that's what we're doing we're together. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's not even like I said, unfortunately, but fortunately, right? Because these experiences and these things in our life, you building soul cycle, you having that little bit of a, like, what the hell is going on with my life right now? You dealing with the loneliness and navigating the pandemic and being intimidated to come back into big spaces. Like this helped you. It happened for you because it's brought you to where you are today, just as all of the experiences have to bring me to where I am sitting in front of this microphone today. A hundred percent. And I love how you just said that. And I think that is the most important thing for people to hear that your success really depends on how you're showing up today. And so don't worry about it. All of this stuff will add up and you'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I needed to know about that thing that I thought was insignificant that now is informing so much of what I'm doing. And just trust that that is going to come together because it just does. It just does. So as I said at the top of this, as we wind down now, you are a well-known name in the world of wellness. And beyond that, as a leading entrepreneur, I would say, when you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? You know, I think what I see looking back at me is just someone who's, who's trying, you know, I'm just, I'm just showing up. That's my motto. I just show up and do the best I can. And that's all I can do. Have you always felt like that? I I don't know. I think maybe yes. Like I, except for, (laughs) except for being less willing to accept that that's the truth. Right. Mm. You know, having a little bit less conviction that something has to be different than it is. It doesn't because it's not. <laughs> this is how it is now. Right. What excites you right now at the beginning of this new chapter? Well, somebody on our team said it the other day and the thing that really excites me and I it's pretty lofty, but I have this prayer for peoplehood that we will touch every person, that we will touch all humans and that humans will feel an okayness as a result of being touched by one another in a way that makes them feel alive. And that's, that's my lofty wish, but we all got to have one. Yeah. I mean, all humans is a lofty wish. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Why not? This is like one of those like shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you'll land upon the stars kind of things. (laughs) Well, I just think that there's an understanding that we all live on one planet. And I don't think that people have really grokked that. Until recently. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? 
hopefully we'll get to touch some people and they'll touch some people and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. Like a degrees of separation thing. Yeah. As you are building now, um, I'm sure over the years, as you built SoulCycle, you received so much advice. How has that advice maybe changed or differentiated this time around? You know, I think this is really good question for people who are building. It's super, super important to look at the landscape and to listen to people, to listen to podcasts, to do your research, to get smart, to make yourself better and all of those things. And at the end of the day, the only one who's going to know your business better than you is you. That's it. So I really feel like, you know, I don't know a lot and that's okay. And I'm going to continue to learn as much as I can. But at the end of the day, I think we, we all know our business is better than anybody else. And we have to take some comfort in that. It's really interesting to me because you're saying like, talk to people, know the industry, et cetera, et cetera. And you already stated that there isn't like you were expecting something else to kind of come up in the years that you were building peoplehood and that hasn't happened. So to again, be in this position where you're a pioneer in that space do you feel kind of comforted by that, knowing that you've done it before? Or does it really feel like the wild, wild west? Oh, no, no, no. Let me also say that if you build one business, there are no guarantees in life. <laughs> you know, I mean, just because we did what we did with SoulCycle, we are starting from zero today. And we are going to have to work for everything that we make happen again. And maybe we know, maybe we know a few things that we didn't know before. Maybe we have the benefit of, uh, of that wisdom, but that doesn't, you know, grit and commitment are not to be underestimated. Grit and commitment are not to be underestimated. I love that. Right now, Elizabeth, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice back in 2016 when you're stepping down, preparing mentally, or at least trying to for what's next during that hurdle moment. Again, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? I would tell this to myself. I would tell this to my younger self. I would tell this to anyone and their younger selves. Don't worry about it. Just take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. Everything's fine. Just put one foot in front of the other. It's all fine. It's all fine. It's all fine. I'm so happy that we were able to do this. And I really am thankful for the time. I feel like when I started the show and I told people that I would be talking to everyone from elite athletes to top CEOs, the question, when are you going to talk to the founders of SoulCycle was always inevitable. So strangely, it's a, it's a full circle moment for me. And uh, I'm happy that you know, a, f a few years into the scheme of things, we were able to finally make it happen. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to get to listen to you and to hear your perspectives. And the truth is, it's just an honor. And I'm so proud of what you've done. You should really, I hope you feel that way too. Oh. Thank you. Now, for those hurdlers listening that don't follow you just yet, that aren't in the loop with all things peoplehood, where do they go? How can they follow along on social media? Give me the details. We are at peoplehood.com. There are tags there for our social media. It's peoplehood underscore. Anybody who is interested in learning more about peoplehood and joining gathers, we are making those super available to folks. So you can DM me, you can write to people at peoplehood.com and we will get you sorted. Get you sorted. Amazing. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 